Okay, let's see if it works this time. Wee! Get in! Live from Mexico City, this is The Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley. And that's why you need a physicist. Okay, so we can hear you. You can hear me loud and clear. That is excellent. I have no idea what happened, but luckily tonight on The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley, you're going to be listening to all the tips and tricks that you need to deal with technology during home learning, which is probably going to happen again pretty soon. Anyway, join me on The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley, this evening. Bring your own booze. Live from Mexico City, this is The Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, sorry about that. I have no idea what happened there. Uh, apologies for starting a little late. I started a show earlier and just my mic wasn't working. But this is one of the things that's happening during home learning. I'm sure you've experienced many of these things in the past where your webcam's not working, your mic's not working, the dreaded you're on mute situation being thrown out again and again and again. And it just takes a cool head, uh, <laughs> which wasn't me. I panicked and went, but it just takes a cool head and do some troubleshooting to figure out the problem. Luckily, I'm a former electronics teacher as well as a physics teacher, so I just did some classic troubleshooting. Bring your own booze if you want. We're just having a small socially distanced, obviously, little get-together because it's quite a nice evening. I'm just going to crack open a beer myself. There we go. Excellent Foley work there. It is non-alcoholic because it's obviously it's only four o'clock in the afternoon over here in Mexico City. Uh, and I'm trying to cut down, obviously, <laughs> in January because I did enjoy a little bit too much over the Christmas break or the winter break. But welcome to the Late Late Show. I hope you're all well. I hope you're all safe um, right now as well. It's a pretty stressful time as well. Uh, and today... Today, we're going to be talking about uh, home learning, tips and tricks for remote learning. I'll give you a little backstory. I've been teaching in Mexico City. If regulars of The Late Late Show will know this, obviously. Uh, but I've been teaching in Mexico City uh, since August of 2019. I've taught before here in Mexico City as well. And in March 2020, we went into remote learning, into home learning, like pure lockdown, uh, a week before the UK, because we didn't have Boris Johnson in charge. So we were quick to act. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we went into remote learning a week before the UK, and we didn't leave remote learning until the end of the ac the following academic year. Um, so July of 2021 was my last online lesson before schools reopened. And I don't like that phrase, school reopened, because obviously we were open, we just weren't presential. But you know what I mean, it's easier to say it that way. And so we only started teaching students in person during uh, August of 2019. That was the first time. And we started with a hybrid model. So some students were still online and things like that. We then went to fully back into the classroom uh, with students wearing masks the whole time. Teachers all had to be vaccinated. All of this good stuff. All of the stuff that the UK seems to find difficult right now and gets a bit precious about. Students did no worries. Um, in After the half term, uh, the the half term in the winter term. So that was November 2021. So just a few t uh, weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, we went into presential lessons. Um, if, a, if a class or a year group, you know, had a rise in cases, they would have to isolate all of those kind of things. And sadly, the Omicron variant is spreading in the uh, here as well. Um, and we had some teachers, uh, you know, travel to the UK to visit um, you know, friends and family over the Christmas break. This is actually our first week back after teaching. And for this week, we are back into online learning again, um, which is I like because I get to play with all my tech, but it was absolutely soul destroying when I read it because being back in the classroom uh, really, really made it for me. The only thing I think the students are happy about is the fact that Hobbs and Bort, my two cats, will make an appearance. And I think you can hear them banging on the door. I'll let them in a little bit later uh, when I break for the news. But yeah, they're trying to make an appearance now. <laughs> Those cats just have no respect for te Teachers Talk Radio uh, 
Mexico headquarters, which is my spare room next to my utility room. <laughs> those, those, those cats are regular listeners or regular trolls. Um, but please, today or this evening, please do text in with any questions or any tech tips that you would like. We're obviously going to show the news and tech uh, tech tip, two minute tech tip as well. But I'm going to answer some questions that I've been asking around some like frequently asked questions and share my thoughts of how to, you know, survive essentially during home learning. Uh, the first thing is I'm probably going to have to let those cats in. I can think, judging by the sound and the pure mass, it is most likely Hobbs because he's a chunky lad. So I'm just going to go get him. Chat amongst yourselves, everyone. I'm sure you've got wine and cheese brought. There we go. He's in. Excellent foley work again. And the chungus is with us. There's a chungus among us. So I really should do a live stream with video, but there you go. Can you hit? He's not purring now, but he's going to sit on my lap while we're chatting. Aren't you doofus? Okay, so we've got Hobbs here. This is good training for me when the cats interrupt my lessons. I'm out of shape as well because I had to walk five feet. So anyway, please do message in, do text in or call in with any questions you have about home learning. I've got a few questions, a few tips and tricks here. Um, the first one. First frequently asked question is what tech or hardware have you found useful during home learning? So obviously <laughs> laptops and tablets aside, all of those kind of things. Um, the tech that I found the most useful to uh, three things, good quality microphone. And the reason, but the reason being is the microphone I was using was my work laptops, like built in microphone. And it was absolutely terrible. So I just went out and bought a cheap USB microphone uh, from our equivalent of Radio Shack or Best uh, Best Buy. Both have gone out, but both have gone bust here or Maplins in the UK, which also has gone bust. But basically our, our equivalent there, like a five quid microphone. And it was OK. It was USB powered. And then later on, I got a lapel mic and just actually our school were really, really great. And they bought every teacher uh, Logitech headset microphones, uh, Bluetooth headset microphones uh, with really, really good built-in speakers. When I first started Teachers Talk Radio, I was actually using those headphones and that microphone. It was a little patchy for Teachers Talk Radio. Not as good sound quality as I've got right now, uh, where you can hear Hobbs purring away because I'm rubbing his belly. Um, but it is still pretty decent. And the mic I've got now is far outweighs it, but that's a little bit more expensive. So the first thing is a really good quality mic. The second thing, and I promised myself I wouldn't be this guy, I wouldn't be the uh, this guy that I'm about to describe, but a second monitor, especially if you're using a laptop. Right, now let me just let Hobbs, he's decided to go away. Bye Hobbs. Thanks for stopping by. All our listeners love it when you stop by. So yeah, the second piece of technology to get is a second monitor. Now, I'll take some pictures and put these on my Twitter as well. But the f the second monitor that I have is just a janky 13-inch or 12-inch, I think, 13-inch monitor. It's not very nice screen, but it does the job. It's really, really good because I use that as my Zoom screen. And then if I'm using my work laptop, I'll have my work laptop screen with my PowerPoint or my Google Classroom up or something like that. And the second monitor has all the students. I can see all the students. I can see their responses, but also I have the chat up as well. And I can see and engage with them. The hardest thing I found during remote learning was when we first started. We were using Google Meet when we first started, but we switched to Zoom over time. Was switching between tabs or between windows, between Zoom and the thing I was trying to share or you know something along those lines. So just having that, I hate this word as well, or this phrase, but having that real estate really, really helps out as well. And the third thing was actually two, two options you can have. There's three, there's three solutions that I found to this. And it's something to write that the students can see either on Jamboard or on the whiteboard feature in Zoom, or I'm sure there is a Teams equivalent, but I haven't used Teams before. Uh, so something that you can write with. Now, to start off with, 
way back in like March and April of 2020, I literally just had my webcam pointed at a wall and I just tacked up poster paper and or like I had like a, a mini whiteboard and I would tack it up there and start writing on the mini whiteboard and the students would just have to look at my web camera. That works in a pinch. And what I found was actually getting a cheap uh, manual focused webcam, uh, something that was, it was about 400 pesos in on Mexico's Amazon, amazon.com.mx. And that's about, that's about 15 quid. So a fit, cheap 15 quid kind of webcam job that would mount to a small tripod. And the tripod I would use is one of those gorilla tripods, the ones that have got like little, they look like, like little tentacles almost coming out that are very bendy and can grip onto things. Had it mounted to one of those. And then what I could do is actually use it as a very cheap visualizer. Okay. And so what I did instead was basically just point the webcam at like my desktop or anything like that and write clearly like that. It worked pretty well and I still use it because as a physics teacher, I want to show effects and things like that. So I was using it to show like little demonstrations of, you know, physics experiments that we couldn't do or get all the students to do online. The third solution that I found and I just can't live without now is a drawing tablet. And they're not that expensive. A drawing tablet, the Wacom like entry level model is about 50 pounds. Uh, or maybe even about 40 pounds. It depends. You, know, you could probably get in the sale. A Wacom drawing tablet or anything that like, obviously we're not sponsored here at Teachers Talk Radio, but well, we are sponsored, but not by Wacom. Um, they should really call in and do it because they would make a fortune from deep. But I found that really, really useful. Uh, and I still use it while I'm teaching in school right now because I find it a really nice way to go through model answers and things like that. So my three most important pieces of tech would be good microphone. <laughs> Second screen, yeah, you're going to have to be one of those second screen dorks, but yeah, deal with it. Second screen and some way to write easily on so the students can see. A couple of other cool little features on side of that. So if you're using Microsoft PowerPoint, you can annotate your slides when you go into presentation mode. And if you've got a drawing tablet, it makes it a lot easier to write because we've all tried to draw with a mouse or write with a mouse and it just doesn't work. Uh, Tom Rogers has just uh, texted in from Mexico City headquarters. Oh, sorry, not Mexico City. Teachers Talk Radio headquarters in um, in London. I don't Liverpool. I don't know. <laughs> and he's Rich. Your new mic is mint. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's a lot better than the one I was using before. Also, a real quick trick is that I use audio foam as well. So you'll see it with, luckily I've got a spare room that I've dedicated to like a home office. So I have that ability to do that. But even if you just got something around it, something muffled, like a couple of cushions behind it or something like that behind your microphone, it will sound a lot less echoey. So it's really, really nice that way to make sure things are working smoothly. Uh, let's go on to another question. So uh, tips and tricks for Zoom. What are some tips and tricks for Zoom? uh when you are teaching a group of kids uh the first thing i would say is remove the bell function remove the bell function when someone enters because that is really annoying so like that little boop boop like when someone's trying to enter remove that feature straight away you have to go into settings to do it so all of this you have to log into zoom on a web browser so on chrome or whatever and change the settings manually the other thing that you would have i would always do is enable breakout rooms because that is a really, really good feature, a really, really good tool when used sparingly. So breakout rooms, I'm sure you'll know about this already, but breakout rooms are the ability for students to go into smaller rooms and do group work. It is great, but I will say that after 18 months of home learning, the students were sick of breakout rooms um, and it's finding the balance. And the reason was, is that the teachers was like every lesson, there was a breakout room ta task and it was just too much and it was too much drain, sort of zoomed out drain on things. Okay. Uh, the other thing I would say as well is set it so that the cameras are turned on straight away. Uh, so the students have to actively turn the cameras off. And then that way you can, there's no excuse for students not you know, like turning their cameras on and you don't have to nag them to turn the cameras on. And also make sure that in your settings for every meeting, the mic start by being muted. Because if you have it the other way around, if you've got a class of 25 or more, um, then it gets really, really tiresome having to tell people to mute them, mute themselves as well. 
There's really not much I can suggest for tips and tricks with Zoom. I really like virtual backgrounds. I think that's a really, really nice feature. And I also really like the new feat uh, a feature that, well, is relatively new to me, is the blur background scene. And then mainly because my background is always messy. So that way it makes it look like I'm not being messy. So those are some teach, uh, tech questions there. Please do text in with any questions that you have. Uh, another question we've got here is what software do you find useful for home learning? Um, so I'm not going to talk about learning platforms just yet because that's another question that someone sent in. Uh, but I will talk about the, my preferred choices of software. There's really not much that I I don't use that's just very off the shelf. Um, the school I use, the school I work at, sorry, uses Google Classroom, and we are a Google school, so we have our email set up with Gmail. It's linked directly to Gmail. We use Google Drive. And I find Google Docs and Google Slides and Jamboard and everything like that really perfect for what I have to do. Um, the only time I try and encourage people to use Microsoft is when students are writing up coursework for me that is at key stage five, where they need to use that functionality of Office features like Excel that Google Sheets, for example, just doesn't have. But for day-to-day -day interaction and things like that, Google Calendar, uh, Google, basically the entire Google Suite, Google Drive, all of that. And we have is a really nice feature in Google Calendar that you can link your Zoom meeting straight to it. And we use Google Classroom as well. Um, let's go to another question we've had. Uh, how do you get kids to turn on their cameras? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I'm sorry, I can't give you an answer to that. I've been teaching online for 18 months and yeah, I still don't know how to do it. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm really, really sorry. I have no idea how to get students to turn on their cameras. If you've just joined us right now, that was a question uh, we'll, uh, posed by one of our listeners. I have no idea how to do it other than following uh, sanctions, the rewards and sanctions policy in your school um, and emailing home to parents every now and then. But the problem is, is that if you've got X number of classes like I do, and you've got multiply that by the number of students in each class. You can tell I'm a physics teacher because I'm doing an algebra equation over the radio. Um, if if you know a fair chunk of those students don't turn on their uh, lap, uh, don't turn on their cameras, you're going to be sending a lot of emails home. So yeah, I really don't know. Uh, I normally bribe my students by saying that Hobbs and Bort won't make an appearance until everyone's turned their cameras on. That's the only way I can do it. So my, my tip is get cats or get a pet of some kind and use it as bribery. That's the only way I've managed to figure out how to get students to turn their cameras on. Um, but yeah, I feel your pain if you have that problem over the next couple of weeks. Um, just know that I've been doing it for 18 months. <laughs> so you can, you can just feel better about yourself from my own pain, okay? <laughs> right. Uh, Favorite, so another question here, please do text in with your questions as well if you're listening live. Uh, favorite operating systems that you use for teaching? I I use all of them and I know that sounds a bit silly. Um, the school, the school provided me a work laptop, a Lenovo ThinkPad, uh, which I've had for about two and a half years now when I first arrived at the school. Um, so we were using Windows 10. That was perfectly fine, but in the past I've used Mac OS. Um, I'm currently streaming on a Mac mini. It was a little treat for myself over Christmas. So I brought a brand new Mac mini. Um, I'll use that um, to like live, do live lessons and do some planning um, and things like that. But I'll also use my work laptop as well. And because most of our documents are in the cloud over Google Drive, I can easily switch between two platforms. Uh, I try and have nothing on my phone except for my work emails uh, with the option to turn it off basically. Um, because my phone is Android and the school is Gmail, the school uses Gmail, it's really, really easy to switch between the two. Um, I also have Google Classroom on there as an emergency, um, but I never check it basically. And those are the only two things I have on there. I don't have any other things uh, on there if I can avoid it basically. Um, I also use an iPad. I've got a janky old iPad mini. I think it's the second generation of the iPad mini from 20, uh, 2015. And there's a really nice trick. If you're using Zoom, you can use an iPad as you can cast the screen of your iPad over Zoom, which is fantastic 
If you just pick up a quick uh, free drawing app, you can use it as a mini whiteboard, save the images and drop it into your learning platform of choice, basically. So that's another great option there. Um, we've got a couple more questions coming in. So we've got favorite OS, we've had that say. Um, as you are a science teacher, what how do you do practicals online uh, with crazy difficulty? During the, during the lockdown or the first lockdown, uh, I started filming myself doing practicals and I thought that was a really cool idea. The problem is, is that it takes a lot of time to film something really, really well and a lot more time than I imagined. So what I would do is film a practical and then upload it to YouTube so the students could see it. And maybe even if it was simple enough or safe enough to use, that they would operate it safely at home or be able to do it safely at home with things they had lying around. Um, that was what, one thing I started off doing right at the start. But I think that was also when the lockdown was quite a new thing. And I think teachers were willing to try out sort of new ideas and be a bit creative. And we also thought it was going to be a problem that would only last at the most a month. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, how, oh, how naive we were. <laughs> but yeah, it was something that we thought would last a month. And then, you know, like in you know May or June of 2020, uh, we would all be back together. I mean, some people were all together in May of 2020, weren't they? I mean, like, just to take a pause to have a quick sip from my uh, drink that I brought myself. Yeah, some people were. <laughs> some people were uh, together in May of 2020, but the people following the rules and teachers were not. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I think it was filming, filming practicals and things like that was something that I started off with and I really enjoyed and I will do it occasionally. But the amount of effort that you have to put into for a three minute video, the amount of time you have to put in, it just wasn't feasible with all the classes that you have to teach as well, unless you're super duper keen. There are some fantastic YouTube uh, education YouTubers out there who like teachers who are doing things like Lego Physics Guy is one example there of people who have really, really, you know, made some really awesome stuff there. Dr. David Boyce as well has been uh, filming like his lectures and class notes and things like that as well. That's really, really cool uh, videos, has some really, really cool videos to go and check out. For me, I just found it not sustainable. So to do practicals at home, what I would either do is actually live stream it as I was going along over Zoom. Uh, simple practicals. And if it was simple enough for students to do at home and safe enough with the equipment that they had with them, I would let them do it. So one thing, for example, what I mean by that is um, when I was teaching magnetism to key stage three, I got the students first to do kind of like an audit of what magnets they had at home. And a lot of them didn't think they had magnets, for example. Um, but then I was saying, like, what about fridge magnets? What about uh, the magnet on your phone case and things like that? And then from there, we downloaded a piece of software or an app, I should say, that could run on iOS, but also on Android uh, that can measure magnetic field strength, for example. Uh, it's a really, really good piece of software if you're a science teacher. It's called Arduino Science Journal, and it uses the phone's built-in sensors uh, to measure things. So it uses the accelerometer in your phone uh, to measure speed and acceleration, which is really cool. Um, it, uses, um, it uses the camera to measure light intensity, which is really cool. Uses the microphone to measure uh, as a decibel meter to measure loudness, but also to measure frequency. You can record frequency. And if your phone has a magnetic sensor in it, which most phones do, it can measure magnetic field strength. Um, so one of the practicals we did was get the students to find what materials they thought were magnetic and measure the magnetic field strength of each of them and work out which was the strongest magnet and record some data from that. That leads us into another question. Uh, that is just below the practicals question, which is what accommodations do you make for students when they're at home compared to when you are in class? Um, I think that question means along the lines of how strict are you with things like, sir, I've forgotten this or sir, I don't have this piece of equipment. And uh, I was very fortunate that the school had a policy where they had to, uh, we had to sort of understand that there, not every student would be able to access particular pieces of software because of X, Y, and Z. So the first rule that we made, or sort of like informal rule that we made was assume that students cannot print out what you are sending to them. Um, that is really, really important. So the 
main solution to this would be to save uh, to send the work, but either to have students write the answers or write write their answers or their work in either their notebook, their school book, and take a picture of it and upload it uh, to wherever you are, you know, to your learning platform, or to get them to type it as well. Um, we had a policy as well for the, particularly for Key Stage 3, that we would try and do as much away from the screen as possible. Um, it's particularly for the younger years in secondary, so particularly for years seven, eight, and nine. Uh, we had a lot of concerns from parents that students were on like Zoom for eight hours, essentially, uh, which is too much. So any work that we would do, it had to be clear and easy enough to, to be set, the instructions. The instructions didn't have to be printed off, and then the students would have to go away and do it by themselves. On that note as well, we actually had a really, really good policy, and we're bringing it back this week, um, where our lessons are about an hour long. So the first half an hour is online, is on Zoom. Um, and that's with direct instruction from the teachers. Um, could be, that can include things like, you know, breakout rooms and things like that as well. But that's like the, the teacher side of it. And then the last 30 minutes is independent work that the students can do away from a Zoom call. Um, the idea being that we, when we first did home learning, we, we kind of did one hour, one lesson on Zoom for the whole hour. The next lesson, with that class would be independent work for the full hour. So we had the same balance, but what we found is that teachers were exhausted after an hour's lesson. Students were exhausted after an hour's lesson. And then when they had any questions for the independent work for the following lesson, they were just lost completely. And they would be emailing teachers for help and things like that. And teachers would be giving them help, of course, but then they would still be on the screen and things like that. So what we do now is we have 30 minutes online and then in the last five minutes of those 30 minutes we explain the task that we want the students to do that way they can ask questions directly about what they need to do and then i can say right i'm closing the call go away and do this you know task that i've set you and then we can discuss it again at the start of next lesson um so that way we have a policy we also have a policy of no homework because well, it's all homework isn't it right now so no homework and when we set that 30 minute task that independent task our policy is imagine that if you were setting it in class, it would take 15 to 20 minutes to do, not 30 minutes, because you've got to remember that the students are not able to, you know, maybe they're at home by themselves, especially if they're a teenager. Um, and maybe they're not being motivated the same way that they would be in the class with you. So make it an activity that can be done in 15 to 25 minutes because of uploading times and connection times and things like that. It makes it a lot better. So yeah, that was uh, accommodations that we make. There was another accommodation that we made and I'm trying to think about it. Um, oh yeah, assume that they can't download everything. Um, so similar to the printing uh, philosophy, uh, like don't expect students to print things out. We would also do something along the lines of, if I wanted them to download a piece of software, I would check that they have the ability to do that. Um, so particularly for, uh, like I would make sure that if I wanted them to use an app, for example, uh, that it could be accessed on uh, iOS, but also on Android and also to make allowances for that, particularly in the younger years that they may not have a smartphone. So sort of things along those lines as well. Um, yes, that was along those lines. Right. We're going to take a brief break to listen to some commercials, the news where I will be very sarcastic about it afterwards and a two minute tech tip as well. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. 
Winston's wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. According to a report in the Times Educational Supplement, the current state of SEND provision in England is resulting in magnet and honeypot schools. Magnet schools is a term which has increasingly been given to settings which have a higher percentage of students with SEND on roll than is reflected in the local community. Many of these schools are concerned that their higher than average proportion of students with SEND is not significantly recognised by Ofsted or the government. Pep Delazio, head teacher of Wales High School in Sheffield, says his school is a magnet school and added, It's like having a five-star review on TripAdvisor. This year's open evening was frightening. We had parents coming from all over the nearby authorities we serve because of our reputation. And that is worrying because while we want to do our best for these students, how long can we maintain it? According to the most recent government data, between 2015 and 2021, the number of SEND students in England rose from 991,981 to 1,083,003. In October, Nadim Sahawi said that he recognised the urgency around providing the provision of SEND. The Education Secretary, Nadim Sahawi, has backed the reduction of the COVID isolation period from seven to five days, saying it would be more helpful. Speaking to the Sunday Times, he said, the UK Health Security Agency have said they want to review it. So we will stick to seven days, but if they review it and say they will bring it down to five days, then that is even better for me. It's even more helpful. His comments come after parents were urged to book jabs for their children as official COVID deaths passed 150,000 in the UK. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Last week I looked at some free apps for the New Year's resolution of getting fit and healthy. This week I tried a few things out and I'm ready to present my findings. First up, the free version of MyFitnessPal. There's an old age saying that 90% of fitness is in the kitchen. If you want to get in shape, you have to have the right building blocks to do so. With this in mind, I set out to log everything I ate and for good measure, I even broke out the scales to get portion sizes correct. My first discovery is that 45 grams of granola, the recommended portion size, is nothing like the portion I've been having. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that it wouldn't even fill a hamster. Realising I was eating three or four times the portion I was supposed to has made me think about my other choices, so I ate the recommended 45 grams and logged the milk. I was surprised how easy it was to find foods in the search feature, even supermarket brands. The app gave me a calorie target based on my weight, height and goal I'd chosen. As I had a coffee, I decided to map out my day and stick to it to stop myself cheating. After a week of tracking, I reviewed what I was eating. I could see where most fat and calories were coming from, allowing me to consider, I'm not promising anything, where I could make changes. The question you want me to answer is, did I lose weight? The answer is yes, but I think my next experiment had the most impact on that. Over the break, I managed to fall asleep watching TV and woke up to an infomercial on a DVD box set to get fit in 60 days. 60 days sounds quite quick, but thinking about it, it's practically two months. However, I did a bit of research and found a program that didn't need any weights or equipment, just floor space. I picked up the Insanity Workout series for around £35 on Amazon. My thinking being, you'd pay that for a month in a gym and I get to keep this forever. Now, I will confess, I do consider myself quite fit already. However, nothing could have prepared me for this. With Sean T, 
the amazing energetic coach screaming dig deeper and about 20 fitness professionals bouncing around what looked like a high school gym i've spent 45 minutes a day for the past six days jumping stretching squatting and definitely sweating being honest i was ready to tap out after the warm-up on day one i'm not gonna lie i used muscles i don't think i've ever used by day three even sitting still and lying in bed at night hurt after pushing through today on day seven a rest day the pain has subsided and i feel great i just have one word of warning if you're looking to do something like this the long walk from the car park with load books may be impossible in the first week read the disclaimer this is not to be taken lightly in conclusion i can't see myself keeping up my fitness pal once the novelty wears off but it has made me look at my diet a dvd fitness program for me is great finding 45 minutes is not always easy and if you want to try before you buy if you're a member of netflix or prime already there's programs on there which are already in your subscription next week we're back to tech for teaching i'm steve woods and this was two minute tech two minute tech with steve woods your tech briefing on teachers talk radio and we're back on the late late show with me rich wrigley this evening following on from two minute tech we are talking about today um tech <laughs> to get you through lockdown teaching basically uh, please do text in with your questions. How can I help you with uh, lockdown teaching? I've been teaching online from what well, I was teaching online from March of 2020 to August of 2021. So I've got a little bit of experience there. Uh, Tom Rogers has messaged in again to say tech and cats. Yes, there are always cats on the Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley as well. Uh, it should be just renamed the Late Late Show with Hobbs and Bort. I need to make my photo card thing you can tell i'm a pro because i know all the the technical terms but i need to make my promo card include a portrait of hobbs and bought as well i think that would be a really really good idea as well uh, so please do text in with your questions how do you have any questions about teaching online and how can you improve it uh thomas just texted in again to say i'm teaching online at the moment it's going well but i still struggle when there are no cameras on for the students yes sorry I can't help you there. I don't know how to do it. If anyone knows how to get the students to put their cameras on, please tell me. Other than probably straight up bribing them, that's the only way I can do it. Um, I've tried rewards. I've tried sanctions. I've tried emailing home to parents. And yeah, it's really, really frustrating. I think we need to be a little bit sensitive about it as well, because I think we have to think of it in terms of a safeguarding issue. Uh, what would I recommend as a teacher? I would say the best thing is it really depends on the school and follow your school's behavior policy. I'm very fortunate in the fact that I've got quite nice students compared to like some students I've taught in the UK. So if I call them out on it, they'll put their camera on. But that it does take a lot of nagging. Um, and I think it, you need a whole school approach. That's the problem. I think there needs to be a whole school policy and consistency uh, to have it and if they don't have to have cameras on then you're going to be a struggle ours is a school policy that they have to have their cameras on so uh i, I think they have to have their they have to have their cameras on anyway and so if they're not following it i can give a sanction basically that does increase my workload and then it means that i have to be more consistent obviously because i need to make sure i'm applying those sanctions all the time as well uh it's just uh, so tom is just saying yeah i don't think they have to have cameras on it's just more as a teacher in a selfish sense i wouldn't say it's selfish because it is really important as well i i say to them look if i have your cameras on i can tell when you're zoning out for example when you're done with things you know like so if i you know otherwise then i can sort of gauge feedback that way as well so I really don't have the answer unless there is a whole school policy. I think the schools need to have a whole policy for it as well. But I know it's it's the same other than physically locking, you know, making some software where it would lock the camera on the whole time. But then you get into a whole privacy thing as well. So, no, um, I think we also need to understand as well that the students, you know, they're teenagers as well. And I think there is a safeguarding issue here as well with, you know, if students don't want to have the cameras on, I think we might have to respect that a little bit. I can imagine it's adding some extra levels of stress as well in an already sucky time. Uh, being a teenager and during COVID, I mean, both are sucky times. Um, but yeah, I can't figure out a way of uh, turning it on. Someone else has just texted in to say, how do you get meaningful feedback from your students as well? Kind of following on from, uh, following on from what uh, Tom was saying about uh, getting their students to turn the cameras on. This is something that I really struggled with as well. I think all teachers struggle with this as well. 
Uh, I think it's very easy to get any kind of feedback, but the key here is meaningful feedback. Um, like the question said, how do you get meaningful feedback? Um, I think this is why I was so, this is the main reason why I was so gutted to find this week that we'll be online. And it's because it's it's just very, very difficult to get student, you know, to see if a student has really understood and really learned something it, because there's so many easy ways for them to do it that, you know, to, to sort of cheat the system. And you can understand the reasons behind it. They've got a lot of assignments and you just want to, they just want to get them done and out of the way. But it's very, you know, plagiarism rises a lot more. It's hard to tell if they've done the work themselves or if someone else has done it and they've, you know, copied it sneakily in some way, shape or form. I think one thing I found really, really useful, and I'm sure there are other features outside of Google Suites for this, but for Google Apps, I would say one of the most useful things is Google Forms. Uh, I You can take a picture of exam questions or any kind of work questions. Uh, you can do long answer questions. You can do short answer questions and you can do multiple choice questions and it self marks it for you as well, uh, which I found really, really useful. And then it can link straight into Google Classroom and it can link into my grade book in Google Classroom. So that's one way of seeing if students have understood things uh, those ways. Uh, the other thing I would say as well is in terms of what's working well and what's not, uh, you can do polls on Zoom, which is really, really nice for like instant feedback straight away. Uh, that's quite nice as well. Another option as well is whiteboard.fi. Uh, that is a website. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of this. Uh, where students can write their answers. And it's basically a web page that acts like a mini whiteboard. Uh, students can type their answers. It's a very simple paint program, basically. They can type their answers. They can draw basic shapes, uh, like, you know, like actual geometric shapes, you know, like squares, lines, whatever. Uh, and or they can write things on there as well. Uh, Tom has just texted in as well to say uh, menti.com is good as well. Yes, it is. Menti.com is really good. Also, Miro. Miro, M-I-R-O, is really, really good. Uh, I really like that because that saves it into a PDF. Uh, Jamboard as well, if you're using Google Suites, is excellent. Uh, Miro is excellent. If you're on Twitter, I'm sure, <laughs> which of course you obviously are, uh, uh, ja uh, Miro is definitely, uh, you will have heard of it and seen it before. It's got a lot of functionality. It's really nice. I used it to get students to make a revision uh, uh, my A-level students, or sorry, my IB students, I should say, uh, to make a revision exercise uh, for particles and things like that uh, for nuclear physics. And they could work collaboratively and I could see who was doing what. The only downside to Miro is that the free option only allows, you know, only allows you a limited amount of storage space, basically. So you have to, uh, you have to kind of fork out for the premium version if you want to use it with a lot of classes. How do I spell Miro? M-I-R-O, Miro. Um, just type that into Google and you will find it for sure. It's pretty decent. It works on, and the thing that's nice about this is it works on computers, it works on phones, it works on tablets. Uh, so it's really, really nice that you can use it across platforms basically. Uh, and you can see the update straight away, which is really, really cool. You can, it's a big whiteboard essentially that has like infinite area and you can scroll around the whiteboard, but you can also select certain areas of it and take screen grabs and download them as PDFs. So it's really, really useful. For example, if you're writing something, if you're writing your notes using Miro, then what you can do afterwards is just highlight those areas, download them as a PDF, and the students have got your notes and you can just upload it. I really, really like that. Uh, but there's other features as well that you can use. Um, someone, let's go to a, another question. Uh, what do you do when it all goes wrong? <laughs> uh, the example, for example, when your camera's not working or when things shut down. Uh, don't panic. It's going to happen. <laughs> that is my first response. Uh, yeah, things are going to go wrong at some point, sometime. Just roll with it. There's not much you can do about it. <laughs> it's going to happen. The start of this show, you haven't heard it, obviously, because I had to reset it. Uh, but my mic wasn't working. My mic had been working all day. I've been in a training course, uh, online training course all day, using the same computer, uh, using the same headphones, using the same microphone. And all of a sudden, as soon as I logged into Podbean, it, the microphone wouldn't work. <laughs> so I had to, I could have gone, ah, screw it, and just flipped the table and gone on a rant. But instead, what it did was quickly log out, log back in, recreate all of this. And I started three minutes late, which is a bit of a bummer. 
so it's the late, late-ish show now. Um, but just stay calm. It's going to go wrong. Don't worry about it. You're not the first person this has happened to. Trust me, don't worry. Don't panic about it. Uh, so another question as well. Uh, what is your favorite and least favorite learning platform? Uh, current learning platform, I'm assuming. Um, I've worked in many schools. I've, I've worked in Microsoft schools. I really like uh, the OneDrive platform and all of that. I haven't used it since 2019. Um, but I remember OneNote and basically all of the, you know, the suite involved there was really, really good. Uh, I don't know about anything to do with, like, for example, Teams or anything like that, because my school didn't use Teams. Uh, in terms of learning platforms, my school uses Google Classroom, um, and that is hands down my favorite learning platform. It's something that I'm very familiar with with previous schools. So I've, I've been using it since, I think, 2014 or 2015. So and it's just improved and improved and improved over time. Um, it links really nicely to a lot of extra apps you can add on and things like that. So that's really, really nice. Um, it's very easy to contact your students. It links into my Gmail account. So I really, really like it for that. Um, yeah, the Google Classroom is probably my favorite learning platform. Least favorite learning platform. Can I slander on here? I'm not going to. No. My least favorite learning platform is Frog. Uh, it's terrible. Don't use Frog. If you are a professional, if you are a school leader in any way, don't get Frog. It's crazy clunky. It's really expensive for what it does. And there's loads of other features in Microsoft or in Google or in any other software that you could use for the same money and not waste your time. We started using Frog at the beginning of lockdown and it was awful. Uh, basically, my students said, sir, can we switch to Google Classroom? We've already got a Google Classroom. Um, yeah, don't get don't get frog. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, apologies for people at work at frog, but improve your product. <laughs> so uh, another question has come in. Let's see uh, for teaching online. Um, for teaching online, another question. VLEs, do people still use them? Uh, Thomas. I don't think so. I don't think I, I remember when I first started teaching when I was working in the UK many, many years ago, I remember Moodle being a thing and people wanting to. Like, I remember my PGCE assignment was to design a learning plan, a VLE, and it's just too clunky. Just use something else. I mean, like it's I remember when we thought I'm going to go back on bemoaning frog, but I remember it was so slow. And also at the same time, there were so many students trying to log on to it that it would just crash all of the time and students. To set an assignment took so many steps and students to upload an assignment took so long and eventually it got to the point where students were emailing me the work saying, sir, I'm sorry, I really, really tried to upload this document that you've asked me to do or upload this work to Frog. I've been doing it for 25 minutes now. I can't do it. Please just take this in an attachment to an email. And I was like, sure. Like, it was from students that you could tell were genuinely stressed out about it. So yeah, Google Classroom or whatever the Microsoft equivalent is, use it, that's fine. <laughs> that's my opinion. Uh, next question is, I've got someone saying here is, a lot of a lot of worksheets and software, uh, a lot of worksheet and information I use is on a PDF of some kind. I want to be able to write on the PDF, but I find it very, very difficult to do so. I find it um, Adobe doesn't work, or I have to pay extra for Adobe. Is there a way that I can edit PDFs? Are there, and, well, yes, editing PDFs. Uh, so for example, for me, I do it a lot when I go through exam papers with my students. Um, if I want to show them how to write a model answer to an exam paper for, uh, for IGCSE or for IB, I will use one of two things. Uh, both are free. Um, one I know would work across all platforms. The other one I'm not 100% sure about. I'm sure it will work across most platforms. I've just used it on Chrome as, a, as an extension, basically. But I'm sure it worked with a, with a Gmail login. Um, but I'm sure it will work in other areas. So the first one is PDF Escape. Just type in that PDF Escape, like Escape Room or Escape from Alcatraz. Uh, I think it's called Xscape. But if you just type in PDF space Escape into Google, that is excellent. I found that really useful. I actually used that before. Uh, lockdown. I would use it to collate exam papers together, PDFs of exam papers and things like that uh, to make mock exams. It's got a lot of functionality because first off, you can stitch PDFs together. So if you've got two separate PDFs, you can stitch them together. You can delete specific pages. You can type over specific things as well. 
um, but it's not really you wouldn't want to type an essay on it but it's good for things like you know a quick title here or there or you know writing in a number to a question or something like that so like a couple of sentences here or there um, it's also got a whiteout feature which is really nice so for example when I'm making mock exams I can white out the question paper like code and things like that so the students don't know where the questions have come from uh, I can white out questions I don't want them to answer and things like that and that's all free as well there is an upload limit uh, of how much you can like upload for one document, um, but it's it, it it's enough to get round. I've not seen the need to pay for it basically. Um, so that's PDF Escape. It's really good. Uh, you can annotate on it as well, and it just runs in your web browser. Uh, it runs on Chrome or whatever you're using. Uh, the other option I would say is something called Kami. K A M I. And that's really good if you want to annotate a PDF with handwriting. And that's what I use it for. I was actually using it in school during presential lessons to give model answers to a question instead of writing on the smart board. It was that good. I found it really good because it seamlessly links with Google Drive and Google Classroom. I used uh, my Google login from my school work to register for it. It was 100 all free. Um, I, you can pay for an additional version or, you know, like the, the advanced version, but I didn't bother. But yeah, so on top of that, uh, you can annotate really clearly. Uh, you can, you know, draw shapes and things like that. So it's great for me, for example, uh, if I want to uh, do calculations to a physics problem or if I want to uh, get data off a graph. So I'm thinking, like, for example, show how to like measure the area under a speed time graph to calculate distance and things like that works really, really well. And the best bit is if you've got it linked to your Google Classroom, all your annotations just stay in the document on Google Classroom and the students can open it as a PDF with all of your notes on it without even having to without having to save it or anything like that. So it's really, really useful for editing things. And I found it really useful for my exam classes when I was going through model answers. And another thing I would do is I would actually make revision videos this way. I would just open up Zoom, start recording, open up Zoom on a blank Zoom call. I was the only one on the Zoom call, share my screen, start recording. And on my screen, I would be using Kami to annotate an exam paper as a PDF, save that video, publish it or download it, whatever way you want to do it and the students have got a model answer to a paper as I'm talking them through an exam paper. So it's a really nice way of screencasting. Uh, that's another example I'm gonna to lead to. What is the best way to screencast? Um, for me, I found the best way was to record it using, uh, using Zoom. I have a professional license, luckily. Um, well, my school gives me a professional license with my login. So I found just sharing my screen and recording was the best way to use it. Before we switched to Zoom, we switched to Zoom in the start of last academic year, so the start like September of 2020. Before we switched to Zoom, we were using Google Meets, which didn't really have a good recording feature at that time. So one other option that I found is something called Screencastify. Uh, it's a Chrome extension. Um, I'm sure it works on other software as well, but it's a Chrome extension. So it's Screencastify. IFI or IFY, Screencastify. Just type it into Google, it'll pop up. And uh, the free version is great because, um, uh, so Tom has just texted in again. Hey, Tom. So yeah, he says, yeah, I haven't used that one before. Any good? It's good. Uh, I like it because you can either record a whole tab, uh, the whole window, you, re you can record a tab. Again, it links into my Google Drive. So any uh, screen recordings go straight to my Google Drive and then I can just share that with the students, which is really nice. I would say uh, one thing I really liked as well for it is that you can make GIFs or GIFs, however you wanna call it, of things, which is nice because then I could use an online simulator, for example, for science experiments like FET, P-H-E-T, and I could record something that was happening like silently, obviously, turn it into a GIF and then put it in like a, a slide or something like that. And that would really help the learning as well. The one downside to Screencastify is that you you are allowed unlimited recordings with the free model, but the free, the, the, the free model or the free pricing plan only gives you five minutes per recording. Um, it will count you out. It will say like, you've only got 30 seconds left, 10 seconds left and count you out. 
Um, but after five minutes, it will stop recording. So at the start of lockdown, what I would do is if I needed to make a 10 minute video, I would stitch two videos together. Um, but then I also found that, to be honest, if I'm making a video longer than five minutes, it's probably too much that I'm including for what I need. But it is decent. It does the job. Um, what is great, what I really, really liked it for at the beginning was um, that I can screencast students work, particularly coursework um, for the IB, and I can give them verbal feedback on their coursework straight away. Um, particularly because the IB, for example, only lets you give written feedback for a certain amount of time. This way, it would just be like me having a conversation with the student in the class, asking about their internal assessment about their coursework. Perfectly acceptable, perfectly above board. Um, and it would limit myself to five minutes as well. So I just basically would call myself and go, OK, this paragraph is good, you know, give my feedback and things like that. And the students could watch it over again and again. And it was quite nice. And also at the start, it was a nice personal touch to that as well. Um, to be honest, I think with things like my theory of knowledge essays that I'm going to be taking in and my physics coursework, my physics internal assessment, I'll probably do that again as a way of giving feedback for a lot of students because I think that would be a beneficial one. So it's good for quick, sharp feedback, I would say. Um, that is, uh, I think, oh, one last question. How do you how do you get the lighting? How do you sort out lighting on video calls? Um, I buy a ring light. Get a really cheap ring light. You can get them on, on Amazon or places like that. Stick it up to a tripod. It looks really good. And then I'm when I'm not streaming, I use it as a desk lamp as well. Uh, so yeah, that has been the Late Show on Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, or sorry, I should say the Late Late Show on Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, we have just overrun everything. Anyway, that has been the Late Late Show. I'm really sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. Uh, my tech just crashed on me. Ironically, at the end of a live live show, I have no idea what happened there. Uh, my screen went blank for a minute and then it just kicked me out of Podbean. I'm blaming Podbean for this, not my tech skills. Anyway, this has been the Late Late Show with Ridge Wrigley. I'm really sorry about that. I have no idea what happened. It wasn't Hobbs. The Chungus was next door. Um, but yes, this has been the Late Late Show. Uh, apologies for the dead air very quickly there. I'll see you all next week, same time next week. Take care, everyone. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live.
Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.